We're all aware that the money sitting in our savings account isn't just sitting there. It's being used, but we don't often think about what it's being used for. It's an important thing for individuals to consider, but it's even more significant for organizations, where the accounts are larger and the impact of what your savings account is used for is also larger. On this episode, I'm talking to Frank Clement from America's Christian Credit Union about the significance of where you bank. We talk specifically about why banking with a Christian organization is important for Christian schools and churches. I'm your host, Landon Buto, and this podcast is provided by Cleveland Street Mortgage in pursuit of our mission of helping people to cultivate wealth and property in submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. Please enjoy this week's conversation, and remember that if you're interested in getting a mortgage with our team at CSM, or if you know someone who will be getting a mortgage soon, connect with us at clevelandstreet.com. All right, Frank. Well, thanks for joining me today. I'm looking forward to talking with you. Uh, today's topic is just generally why Christian organizations need to be mindful of where they bank. And we'll get a little bit into the personal private side or the individual side of that as well, um, but kind of focus on the, the organizational side. Um, so I, I would just want to have you start by sharing a little bit about who you are and what your organization is. What is America's Christian Credit Union and what is it you guys do? Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, So America's Christian Credit Union, we are a financial institution. Uh, Not everybody out there knows too much about credit unions or how they're different from banks. So I'd love to talk about that difference uh, more generally and then us specifically. So, uh, you know, obviously a bank, we all know what that is. You you can keep money there and you can also borrow money uh, from the bank. And credit unions are similar, uh, but a key difference is that at a credit union, uh, it's actually a financial cooperative. And so rather than simply being a customer like you would be at a bank, you are considered a member owner. So when you join a credit union, you literally own a piece of that organization. And so uh, what that means, of course, is you are you're joining a community. And I would say, you know, to use some Christianese, uh, we're bearing one another's burdens. And that's true at any credit union, whether it's a faith based credit union or not. You are literally a part owner and a member of this community and helping other members uh, through your participation there. So then at America's Christian Credit Union, everybody who is a part of the, the credit union is uh, either formally with a ministry or attached to a ministry in some way. So you might be the pastor of a church or you might be a congregant of a church. Uh, we can serve churches as organizations, but we can also serve the individuals within those churches. But the beauty of it is that everybody who is a member owner of America's Christian Credit Union has an attachment to a Christian ministry. And so that's the the common denominator. That's what brings us all together uh, at our financial institution. Uh, we've been around for a while. We are celebrating 65 years this year. So we were founded back in 1958 by five pastors who were not loving the service they were getting at their local banks, and they decided that they'd do something about it, which uh, in some ways it kind of feels like a parallel to what we're seeing now. A lot of people who are getting a little bit discontent with some of the mainstream services out there and saying, you know what, what what, what can we do to fix this? What solutions can we bring to the table? So we've been we've been going for 65 years strong now, and uh, we're up to about 80,000 members across the country, and that's both ministries and individuals. We have members in all 50 states, and it's been a real joy to get to do the Lord's work through uh, financial services. Have you guys seen, a, like you mentioned, just kind of a parallel to, to that original story? There's kind of been an increased appetite for that kind of organization. Have you guys seen an uptick in that just anecdotally? Oh, for sure. Yeah, there's 
the last couple of years, there's been huge interest in us and our services, which is obviously we're grateful for that. And we take that very seriously. We want to be a good partner to the organizations and individuals who come to us for financial services. We want to, you know, uh, be worthy of their their interest, be worthy of of their trust in us. Uh, but it's, you know, a lot of people are looking out there and seeing instances of high profile individuals and organizations getting debanked and they're saying, well, I don't want to be next. So, you know, essentially I'll, I'll debank myself. I'll go ahead and pull myself out of the financial mainstream and seek out an organization that's a little bit more sympathetic to my worldview. What have been some, do you have any, any like specific anecdotes or stories from people who have made that switch? Yeah, for sure. Well, there was, yeah, yeah um, actually a, a few years ago, so a little bit even before this big wave of debanking that we've been seeing lately. Uh, so back in 2019, there was a denomination and they were with one of the you know big five banks. Uh, and essentially the bank came to them and said, you know, we're changing our policies. And as a result, you need to change your corporate structure if you want to keep banking here. Uh, and if you don't change your corporate structure, you won't be allowed to open any more accounts. And, you know, this denomination was saying, well, we literally, you know, we're, we're in the the process of planting churches across the country. Uh, and if we can't open new accounts for our new church plants, uh, unless we change our corporate structure to comply with your new policy, you know, we're gonna have a problem. And so they came to us and they said, you know, this is the situation, what can you do for us? And we said, you know, how you decide to structure yourselves is that's that's between you and the Lord, essentially. Um, and so if this is how you want to be set up, we'd be happy to serve you as is. You don't have to you know, change your legal structure or your corporate structure uh, just to comply with our policies. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, you see kind of you see headlines about that kind of thing coming up. Um, it, it's helpful to hear, you know, real stories from firsthand accounts there. Um so there's a little bit of, of that side of, you know, the, the benefit to customers themselves. Um, and I want to get more into that. Um, but I also want to ask about the, the impact of banking with a Christian institution. Does it, uh, okay, you guys are technically not a bank. Is it still called banking with you guys? Is that okay if I refer to it? That yeah, way? yeah. That's that, We tend to use the verb banking because credit sure. union name doesn't, doesn't yeah. sound quite as nice. Yes. All right. I'll keep going with that. Um, so on on that side of things, on the impact that they can have in banking with a Christian institution, can you explain kind of why that matters and, and what impact um, individuals and organizations can have by, um, by by banking with a Christian institution that shares their values? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And and I, I appreciate that question because it is there's kind of the benefits to uh, Christian organizations as Christian organizations. But there's also a benefit in terms of, um, you know, sort of conscience alignment and, and uh, banking your values. So in terms of, you know, why would a Christian organization uh, want to bank with us in particular? Why would a church or a Christian school or a parachurch ministry want to bank with us? Well, what we're seeing is uh, in in this you know recent wave of debanking, uh, you know, they'll never say we are expelling you from the bank because of your religious beliefs or your political beliefs. They they wouldn't say that because they'd be opening themselves up to too much you know legal liability. And the truth is that legally they don't really have to give a reason at all. When a bank tells a customer to uh, to beat it, they don't. They just sort of send a letter and say, you know, you <laughs> expect to check in the mail with your balances and 
you know, we wish you well. So, uh, but a lot of times they will, they'll cloak it in, in what they call commercial considerations, right? So mm. they'll talk about the reputational risk. You know, if it got out that uh, folks knew that this particular Christian organization banked with us, uh, would that help us get more members or, you know, more customers or would it, would it potentially cause an exodus or would it, you know, raise the ire of activists who would come and, and, you know, throw red paint at our building. Uh, and in fact, during COVID, you know, the, you had churches that said, uh, we are going to continue to meet. We feel that we have been called to continue to meet week after week after week. And when the county had an issue with that or the city or even the state, um, the banks would say, well, okay, because you are now out of compliance with with local regulations on COVID, uh, you pose a, a new material risk to us as a financial institution. And so uh, if you have a loan with us, we may ask you to go ahead and pay that loan back, uh, even if you still have several years left on it. Uh, or we may say that, say that we don't want you as a customer anymore, because again, you know, if you're if you're running afoul of local regulations, what does that do to us as your as your bank? Uh, and so uh, they'll 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 again, they'll, they'll present it as commercial considerations. Right. And I guess I, it's not wrong. I mean, it's true. They sure. really believe that they will lose money by being associated with a Christian ministry. And so, you know, for, for Christian organizations that look at what's going on in the world and they say, yeah, as the world shifts and we, we remain, you know, steady in the gospel, we will be more and more at odds with the prevailing culture, in which case we do need to have a financial institution that will stand with us as we stand firm in the gospel uh, and not debank us, not you know ask for us to pay back a million dollars on a loan right. in 90 days or anything like that. And so for the organizations, it, it really means business continuity. You know, If your ministry wants to continue to have an impact in your community, uh, who you choose as your partners, and that's true for banking and it's true for you know, any any number of other services as well, but who you partner with for those business services is critical because any one of those services that you rely on, if they were to, you know, just pull the plug on you, you might suddenly realize, wow, we our impact is is greatly hindered now. Right. Yeah. So there's kind of some of that protection it seems like uh, of yourself uh, on the negative side of you know that you're, you're you're putting yourself at risk of these. Um, yep. these challenges if you bank with non-Christian secular institutions. Um, before we recorded, we also talked about some of the positive side that you guys also are able to come alongside some organizations and provide wise yep. counsel and advice with, with th that has the same vision in mind. What does that look like? Yeah, so we we exist to serve faith-based organizations and the individuals that are attached to them. And so that's, that's you know, the water that we're swimming in. And so we're very familiar with that. And so, you know, if, if let's say you're the pastor of a church and God has been blessing your ministry and you're having a lot of folks showing up and you say, you know what, we, we need a bigger sanctuary or we need uh, a new wing for our children's ministry. If you went to a typical commercial lender, you might be the first church loan that they've seen in years. And so they're kind of like dusting off the books, like, how do we deal with this? Okay, so your revenue that you're going to use to pay us back is people who show up every Sunday and put money in a little basket and and we kind of have to hang our hat on that. And so for a lot of these commercial lenders out there, they'll look at that and then they'll look at someone who wants to go build an apartment complex, let's say, and they'll say, well, I know how the apartment complex is going to pay me back, but I don't right. know how the church is going to pay me back. And so then they essentially are going to treat that as as riskier. They're going to treat the church as riskier. Uh, and that's it's not even necessarily religious persecution, right? I'm not going to go that sure. far. I'll just say that they look at that and they're like, well, no, no, this is, you know, this could go sour. 
Whereas for us, I mean, we we serve literally hundreds of churches with their financing needs, and our default rate on those church loans is lower than the national average for commercial loans. And so we have this, this demonstrated history of working well with churches, and we know that churches make some of the best borrowers out there if you look at commercial uh, borrowers. But then on the other hand, it's it's not just what the churches bring to the table, but it's the fact that in understanding these these ministries and how they operate, uh, we know when flexibility is in order. And so, you know, thinking back to 2008, 2009, there were a lot of churches that were struggling because, like I said a moment ago, their revenue is people showing up and putting money in a basket. And if half their congregation uh, loses their jobs, obviously that's going to impact the church's revenue and their ability to repay loans. And so, we we sprang into action and we said we know that you're going through a tough time and the truth is we don't we don't want your building right like us inheriting a church building from a, a a ministry that defaults on a loan does us no favors and so what kind of flexibility can we extend to you to get you through this rough patch get yeah. you back to a point of financial sustainability because we want to see that ministry continue and thrive you're our member owners right you're not just a customer uh you're not just a line on a spreadsheet you are you are part of this uh, cooperative, this community of believers. Right. So on the flip side uh, of then what you guys are then able to turn around and do with uh, with the dollars that, that people are um, banking with you, um, yep. you know, it kind of seems like there's this there, there's this broader movement of, of believing that uh, it's important to shop your values, um, that it's important to, you know, shop with businesses that align with your values. It seems yep. like this would kind of be that on steroids because it's mm-hmm. not just, um, you know, I'm gonna go shop at this store where the business owner is happens to be a Christian and they're generally gonna use the dollars for um, things that align with my values. It's mm-hmm. like you guys are directly turning around and investing those dollars yep. with mm-hmm. uh, with more businesses that are aligning. Um, what, what kind of, uh, projects are you guys able to get involved in and what what is what does that look like yeah well you're i mean you're you're exactly right and you know the bottom line is everyone has to bank somewhere i mean i've i've had conversations with folks who say you know we have to get so far away from the mainstream financial you know system that we have to you know turn to things like cryptocurrency and i'm not here to talk about cryptocurrency i'll just say uh, it's not it's not very regulated and it's certainly not federally insured, right? So if you want sort of a typical bank account with a debit card attached and maybe you want, you know, to, to tuck some savings away and get a slightly better return on that money, um, you know, you still have to be at some kind of a federally regulated financial institution right. and, and we are federally regulated and federally insured, you know, so we are we're still within the mainstream. But uh, obviously, to your point, we because we exist to serve uh, faith-based organizations, we're going to be much more sympathetic uh, to that that worldview and, and the worldview of the folks who come from those ministries. And so I would say, you know, if you're going to bank somewhere, how cool is it to know that when you have your rainy day savings fund sitting in a savings account somewhere, that money is literally being used to help build a new church or it's being used to help launch a new Christian school, or right. we've, we've been doing uh, adoption financing since 2009. And so your savings could literally be turned into an adoption loan for a family that's bringing a child into their home. And so you you know that your dollars that you are not using are serving another another believer with a kingdom building activity. Uh, and 
you know, you go to the Family Research Council, they've got their list of, you know, all these large organizations that make regular donations to, let's say, Planned Parenthood, for instance. You're not going to find us on that list, right? Like, we are literally trying to invest dollars uh, into into activities that promote a pro-life stance and make it possible for people to to adopt children uh, without homes. And so, uh, you know, again, you have to bank somewhere. Why not bank somewhere where you know exactly what your dollars are being used for and you know what your dollars are not being used for? Uh, and, I, you know, it, it, it's it's indirect, it's small. Um, but if you're if you're banking with a large financial institution here in the U.S., there's a good chance that you are probably funding some things that are contrary to your worldview. You know, the kinds of things that you tell your kids are wrong. Right. And yet, you know, indirectly, you are helping fund that. And so uh, and, and we're not the only game in town. There are one hundred and forty faith-based credit unions across the country. And so, you know, America's Christian Credit Union obviously is a great option and we can serve nationwide, uh, but there may well be a smaller Christian credit union in your community that you want to uh, align yourself with. And the beauty there, of course, is that not only is that there that faith alignment, but there's also, you know, you could know, wow, this is this is literally funding, you know, churches in my town. Like I drive past churches that bank there. So that's that's a great option too. And we we want to see people, you know, not just come to us, but go to all of these faith-based credit unions and step outside of the the secular banking world and and find a financial institution that really shares their values and champions those values in a real way. So are there requirements in terms of organizational values in order to get a loan from y'all in order to bank with y'all? Yep. Yeah. So because we are we're member based, uh, and so whether it's an individual or an organization, when you come to us, you have to qualify for membership with the credit union. And so for the or, for organizations that we serve, uh, you know, presumably your church or your Christian school or your parachurch ministry uh, has some kind of a statement of faith. And sometimes it's, you know, a lot of churches will just say, well, we use the Nicene Creed. You know, we, we keep it historical. Um, but as long as that statement of faith is consistent with our credit union statement of faith, then that organization qualifies for membership. And once that organization qualifies, then all the, you know, all the employees of that ministry can qualify for individual membership. All the congregants, you know, anybody who has an attachment to that ministry is now eligible to join on that individual basis as well. And then on an, on the individual side, um, it, are there like aff specific affirmations that are that are required to join, or is that a little bit more loosely held than the organizational side? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if I say loosely held, but I guess I mean essentially you qualify through your organization. So, you know, your church has a statement of faith. And as long as your church's statement of faith is consistent with ours, your church qualifies. Sure. Okay. And if your church qualifies, then you as a congregant at that church now qualify as well. Right. Uh, and so we use those. And, and and I would, I mean, what I love about that is that it's sort of this subsidiarity model, model that says, you know, we're not your church. Uh, yes, we have a statement of faith, but we're not your church. Hopefully you're part of a community of believers closer to home, and it's through that affiliation that you qualify for membership here at the credit union. Uh, and so we look to those organizations to maintain you know, that, that statement of faith and that, that body of believers at the local level. All right, sorry for the interruption. Just a quick reminder that when your friends mention that they might be thinking about buying a house or refinancing, you can do them and us a huge favor by mentioning that you know a great lender and sending them to clevelandstreet.com. It will be a huge help to us at CSM, and hopefully it will save your friends lots of time and stress looking for a lender they can trust. So if there's an organization that comes to you and you know you do a tiny bit of digging and it's very obvious right away that their values are not in alignment with yours, um, that they're using 
that they're using uh, profit from the company to fund abortions for their employees, whatever. Um, do you guys have the freedom? And is that something that, because mm-hmm. like you mentioned, you are federally regulated. I don't know what yep. all is involved yeah. here. Do you have the freedom to say, no, we're not going to do a loan for this reason specifically? Mm-hmm. Um, is that something you guys would lend on? What does that look like? Yeah. So, so typically that kind of gating happens at the membership, at the point of membership. And, okay. you know, we, we, we joke that we are legally required to discriminate. So whereas, you know, public accommodation laws and a lot of other business settings require organizations to serve everybody, regardless of, you know, religious uh, affiliation or, you know, whatever the case may be. Literally, I mean, to maintain our charter as a credit union, uh, we have to we have to have that that field of membership. We have to say we look at each organization that comes to us and we have to make sure that it's consistent with our statement of faith. And, you know, when our regulators come in to do periodic exams, they'll they'll look at some of our members and you know they'll say, you know, how did this organization get in? Explain how this organization's uh, beliefs are consistent with your statement of belief at America's Christian Credit Union. How did they qualify for membership? So right. we have to be ready to explain that you know, to use biblical language. We have to be ready to give an answer. Uh, And so uh, we, we, so we take that very seriously. And so it's, you know, not only is that a way to uh, honor God by, you know, bringing people into the fold who are standing on the gospel, but it's also a way to sort of, you know, honor Caesar, I guess, in this instance, uh, by staying within the the guardrails of the requirements of being a credit union uh, so that we can maintain uh, our, our status and our charter there. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, is there a tip? I mean, you, you talked about just churches in general. Um, yeah. it, I know you do some work with Christian schools. What What is kind of mm-hmm. your typical uh, client customer look like, either for you specifically mm-hmm. or uh, for the credit union? Yeah, well, I've been I've been fortunate enough to help uh, sort of build a new practice area for the credit union. So historically, we've served a lot of churches, of course, over our 65-year history. Uh, and every once in a while, we would we would have a Christian school that would come to us, usually because it was attached to a church that we were already serving. Uh, but you know, when when COVID really got roaring, and we started reading all the stories that everyone else was about, you know, public schools sending the kids home, doing the Zoom lessons, parents, you know, hearing what was what was being taught. Yep. Uh-huh, exactly. And so we're hearing that. And um, and then, you know, uh, so there's the Association of Classical Christian Schools. They're a really good partner of ours. And so for the last couple of years, we've had the privilege of working with them. And so there, I mean, literally, there are hundreds of new schools starting up across the country that's usually it's just it's like grassroots, right? It's it's parents coming together and saying, we all have school age kids and we're not loving the options in our community. And so let's start a classical Christian school. And so they can do that with the help of the Association of Classical Christian Schools. Another great group is the Society for Classical Learning. Uh, Even Turning Point USA has started Turning Point Academy, which is helping churches launch classical Christian schools. And so there's been this huge interest in in generating a whole new, I I say new, I mean, I guess the the classical educators would say that this is is how education always was until about a hundred years ago. Um, But as as all of these new schools are starting, uh, we've gotten to be there alongside them, and in a lot of cases, we are their first financial institution. You know, we are we are their banking relationship from day one. And then when they reach a point where they go from you know maybe renting a few rooms at the church to wanting to go and buy their own property where they can either build or maybe they can buy a pre-existing you know structure that's there that that's suitable for the school. You know, we can be their financing partner to help obtain that property. And so, 
so like I said, that's that's been where a lot of my focus has been. And it's been amazing to see uh, just what, what God is doing. I mean, truly, in, in getting to talk to people all across the country and hearing kind of the same story over and over again. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's like I hear the same story from people who have never met one another. And it's like only the Holy Spirit could be moving people in that way that people would reach this conclusion. I'm going to start a school. I don't care how hard it is. We're going to start a classical Christian school in our community uh, so that we have this for our children and we can disciple you know, the young people in our community. Uh, and, and they'll grow up and have a lifelong faith and be committed members of their churches. Yeah. What are I mean, you mentioned kind of the story of going from renting a couple of rooms to being able to buy their own property. What are some of the other needs that you're helping schools specifically meet um, w- with your products? Yeah. So, I mean, we can, of course, do operating accounts. So, you know, yeah. most schools are going to want at least a checking account. Sometimes they'll use a credit card if they feel like they can manage the cash flow and pay it off before any interest accrues. Uh, and then something that we that we spooled up. Uh, in response to a lot of conversations with a lot of school leaders is our tuition financing program. Uh, And essentially what we were learning was, uh, you know, schools have this tuition dilemma where they figure out how much it costs to to run the school, you know, and they say, okay, tuition is, let's say it's $10,000, right? And a lot of families will say, I can pay $10,000 over the course of 10 or 12 months, but I can't pay it up front. And so schools will offer a payment plan, right? They'll say, okay, no worries, just pay us monthly uh, and it'll all be fine. Uh, but then invariably schools will run into this issue where not everybody is paying on a timely basis. And sometimes it's just because people forget. Uh, sometimes it's because people, you know, may, you know, maybe dad loses a job halfway through the school year. But whatever the case may be, um, schools struggle to collect tuition. And then they kind of, you know, I've seen I've seen it two ways. Either they lose a lot of money or yeah. they pay somebody a lot of money to collect tuition. But either way, it's coming at a great expense to the school. And yeah. so we come along and we say, well, you know what? Essentially what you're engaging in is lending, right? So this is a personal unsecured loan because nobody's going to repossess a kid if you don't pay. And so we do unsecured loan loans all the time. That's you know part right. of our, our mix. And so for a school, they can say, you know, tuition is due on day one. And if you need a monthly option, we have a partner over at America's Christian Credit Union and you can apply for a tuition loan. Uh, but we as a school are not going to try to be a bank, right? We're not going to try to get involved in lending. We're not going to try to underwrite. We're not going to try to collect. We're just going to leave that to a third party expert and focus on what we do best, which is educating children. So uh, we've been able to partner with a number of schools where tuition collection was was a struggle. And, and we essentially get to do what we do best on behalf of the school. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so Frank, I'm going to start to wrap up here a little bit. A lot of, a lot yeah. of really helpful information in there. Um, one, just can you, uh, if, if you've got church, church leaders, school leaders kind of listening into this or individuals, mm-hmm. um, or just kind of thinking about where they're going to bank, um, what are some main things that you want people to be thinking about right now? Some main takeaways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you. And Landon, I really appreciate this opportunity to be on with you. Uh, I would say that, you know, if you are leading a ministry of any kind, um, think about your business continuity plan. Your your banking relationship is not guaranteed going forward. You know, the bank that you are with now can expel you for no reason at all. Uh, And we also know that during recessions, there's often a lot of a lot of mergers that go on among the banks, right? So you might be banking with the local bank where everybody who works there goes to church with you. But the next thing you know, it gets bought up by a national brand. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. they are being held to the national brand's guidelines, even though you still know everybody there. But, 
you know, all of a sudden they're OK. And so you have to think about what happens if for some reason I lose my banking relationship or what happens if my bank comes to me like that denomination I mentioned earlier and says you have to make changes to your organizational structure if you want to continue banking with us. And so I would say, you know, I understand that the idea of changing your banking relationship is kind of, you know, <laughs> people break out into a cold sweat when they think about changing right. their banking. Uh, but if you just start by finding a financial institution that you think you might want to work with in the future and go ahead and just open an account, just open a checking account. Right. And now all of a sudden you have somewhere that you could transfer funds if you needed to. Right. So if your bank says, hey, your money needs to be gone in the next 30 days, you have somewhere that you can you can wire those funds and you can kind of start fresh. And so don't don't think of it in terms of like changing everything about your banking because yeah. that's going to overwhelm you and then you'll just you'll just procrastinate. But if you just establish an account somewhere else just as a backup, uh, and then maybe over time you start to make that transition. Maybe there's a slower time of year where it makes sense. Um, but like just have that. And, and we saw this, you know, Silicon Valley Bank, right? There were some organizations where Silicon Valley Bank was their only bank. And so then when they start hearing that there's a run on the bank and they're wondering if their funds are going to be available, they have nowhere to send them, right? It's not like they can just go in and transfer them because there's no account on the other end. And so you know, even from that perspective, just think about where would you send your money if there was some issue with your banking relationship? And then the other thing is, uh, you know, if if there was no if there was no moral banking option, then you would choose the the least bad option out there. Um, but I would say do some research on on the faith based financial institutions out there. Like I said, there's 140 of them of all different you know sizes and shapes. And so do some research and identify the one that makes the most sense for you. And I think that that for folks who are leading ministries, they'll realize, well, you know, now that we know that that option exists, you know, we probably have an obligation to take that seriously and potentially change as long as we're sure that all the services that we're receiving now uh, can be replicated over at this other financial institution. Yeah, absolutely. Frank, if people are interested in following what you're doing at ACCU um, or following you personally, where can they follow your work? Yeah, I appreciate it. Well, I'm I'm on LinkedIn probably too much if you ask my wife, but <laughs> too, um, I love to collect on, <laughs> love to collect on connect on LinkedIn uh, or my email is fclement at americasccu.com. Awesome. Great. Frank, thanks for your time today. A lot of really good info and I appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Landon. Appreciate it. Take care. Thanks for listening to Work is Good. If you enjoyed it, share it with someone else, leave a review and listen next week.